This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Yes, it's Thursday, and we're back with a guest. Well, I mean, we had guests, sort of, last week. Of course, lovely Martin Comston popped by to say hello, and you were the guest of of sorts. Thank you so much for all the questions that you submitted. They were funny, they were intelligent, they're insightful. I hope we gave um, funny, intelligent and insightful answers um, and I'm sorry we couldn't get through them all, but, you know, it was, what was it, like 90 minutes? We did a fair bit. Um, we may do another one next year, if you fancy. Um, but, yeah, thanks for that. And it was lovely to see Griff and speak to him, you know, as, you know, as is 2020. Not seeing a lot of other people, so it's really nice when a friend pops up. Um, and what I thought we could do with this week is some positivity in our lives because look by sort of four o'clock here in the UK it's dark it's bleak it's frosty um we're trying to cobble together some sort of Christmas but I thought we could use a helping hand and that helping hand comes in the form of Miss Gabby Roslin I'm really thrilled that Gabby made some time she's been ever so busy this year, as always. Um, but we get into it, we talk about comedy, we talk about presenting. Um, oh, it's just great. It's just nice to spend some time with her. It's a great conversation, and I think you're really going to like it. And also, if you're looking for a new podcast, Gabby has one. It's called That Gabby Roslin Podcast, and it's out now on well, everywhere where you get your podcasts. So go and have a listen. She's got great guests on there. But first, listen to this. This is the Two Shot Podcast with the wonderful Gabby Roslin. Enjoy. I shall see you at the end. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
got your happy price, price line. Oh, it's so nice to see you. Oh, lovely, lovely Craig, one of the nicest people in this industry by a long uh, shot. Yes, but that is not the reason I've got you on. The reason I've got you on is because I was thinking, and because I, I book all my guests, I don't have anybody helping yeah, me. Yeah, same with me. Fully, same. And, and, and it's tough, you know, because some people this year especially have said, who've been on my list and we've been speaking and they're dying to come on, they've said, Craig, um, I'm not feeling particularly great to come on and talk about mm, like mm. my life or anything and it's, it's I, and I respect it completely and I, and I totally understand it so when I was thinking oh who can I record with <gasps> well and everybody needs a little bit of positivity in their life <laughs> right now and I couldn't think of anybody else who is endlessly positive and I I've known you for years I'm, I think you know, it's I'm nearly not... 20 years Oh, my God. No, and actually, I'll tell you when it is, because my youngest was one and a bit, and she's now 19. Fuck a duck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a long time. Oh, that is a long on. time. Let me just turn that off. Hold on. That's all right. Go away, everybody. But I don't find it hard to be positive. I do try, I, I do, you know, I do try and think of everything as quite... Glass half full. I do. But this year, for everybody, has thrown up so many problems. How do you manage to keep us a positive? Because you, you do. And I every do. time yeah, every time we've spoken, you always are. And the, you post on social media, you're still, you've started your podcast, which is a lovely beacon of sunshine. And I really mean well, that. Well, you know. that's really kind of you. Do you know what, though? I've actually always been like this. I was, when I was a child, uh, everybody always said, they always called me Pollyanna because I always played, and if anybody that, that doesn't know it, it's, you know, it's all about the, the playing the glad game and you just look at the best for everything. But I was one of those kids who was happy. I just would just go in and I'd make, I'd, I like imaginary worlds and I like... I, I always liked making people laugh. So even when I was very, very, very little, not not sort of stand-up, obviously mm. not stand-up. The <laughs> idea of doing that makes me feel physically sick. Oh. But um, but just ma- making a fool of myself and laughing at myself. And I think if you're able to laugh at yourself, then you can have that sort of outlook on life. And I do wake up a bit like that. And I do drive my kids home. My oldest is back from university now. And she, I think she probably missed me sitting on top of her singing musical theatre in the morning. But that's what I do. That's the alarm clock that everybody needs in their life. What, think, me sitting on top of them? Yeah, I think Maybe you need to not. go around and, and sort that out. That, that'll cheer people up, no end. <laughs> um, have you found it difficult, though? this year to be um, and keep on that that sort of positive train well i have no i have it's not about staying positive i think it's i've always looked for the best in everything so i always um i believe i've always believed that um the most important things in life are kindness it's where i was brought up my parents said because I, I, I bore everybody with it but i only ever wanted to be a tv presenter i love tv more than anything on this planet my kids are used to me saying that says my husband Mm. but I but that's all I ever wanted to do and I and they said to me okay follow your dreams but be kind and don't hurt anybody in the process so it's been so 
um, uh, drummed into me in a good way that you have to be kind. So for me, it's always about kindness. And I think kindness came to the fore this year. Laughter is the best medicine. So I've all, I love laughing. And I mm-hmm. think that we've seen a lot of people, um, a lot of the comedians, a lot of people who are performers trying to bring that into our lives. I think the things that I've found hard are not doing television like I'd like to be. I mean, doing, I'm very happy to do things from my bedroom, yeah. but doing live inserts into shows or the other day we had a big pitch meeting with my lovely agent and we had this huge pitch and we were pitching these three shows and you know when you have those meetings that go really really well because mm-hmm. i know you do those that you're buzzing afterwards and there is nothing weirder than coming off the zoom <laughs> and just sitting there in your bedroom going oh right and there was you couldn't go for a drink i mean i don't drink booze but you know you couldn't go out you couldn't buzz about it you couldn't talk about it my agent then called me on facetime this sounds so showbiz but i mean this is the reality of it all and my agent called me on facetime said i just wanted to see your face because i knew you were really thrilled by that pitch and i said Mm. yeah but i feel so deflated now because it was you're heightened your your excitement is heightened and somebody gets your ideas and and then you go, oh, I'm just here in my bedroom. OK, so those are moments where I just I, and I love people. <laughs> That's why I'm so nosy. I love chatting to people. Um, and so I just I went out. I went for a walk, which is what I do. I love walking. I think it's a real saviour. Yeah, it's been a great saviour for me this year, walking, going off on big when I can yeah. and going off a nice two, three-hour walk. Now, you say you're nosy there. I don't think you're nosy. I think you're like me and you're curious. I'm nosy as well. Are you nosy? I'm, yeah, I really am. Because I, if I'm walking and it's dark, I love those houses that have their curtains open and you can look in. Do you know what that's called? Nosy. No, there is an actual name for that for people who peeping tom. Look. No, that's flat, that's, that's borderline flashing, Gabby. Oh, no, you wouldn't don't be do doing that. that. No, 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 no. That'd be awful. No, there is a name. I'll have to look it up. That's all a right. name for people yeah. who look inside people's windows. Yes. Yeah. Is it definitely. not just? It's just rude, no, nosy. Well, really? Is there I mean, an actual name? Yeah, for? there is. There up. is. I'm going to have to look that up. Um, but, you know, you say it's rude, but therefore, if you don't want people looking in, shut the blinds, shut the curtains, you're attracting the lights in there. You automatically want to look, don't you? Surely. Oh, I am. But I've always been like that. And actually, that's another thing I've been, I've grown up with. My dad's in his 80s and he's on his own. Mum died many, many, many years ago. Mm. And um, he's found it really tough, all of this, and his world has shrunk. But, he, but I forced him to go out for a walk every day. So he goes for a two or three mile walk every day, which is great. Yeah. And he says to me, I love it. I look inside everybody's houses. Great. Go <laughs> oh, I, I wonder where you get it from, Gabby. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, wanna, I do want to talk about um, the fascination of wanting to be a TV presenter from when you were small. Was yeah. that something that stemmed from your dad? Not yeah, because dad not... worked at the BBC. Yeah. So it, just with with everybody, my dad was um, a continuity announcer. He was mm. the person that you can hear in between all the shows. And he also worked, then worked on Radio 4 as a newsreader. So um, I only ever knew my dad in that job. He was a staffer at the BBC. Um, and 
I went to work with him, as people do. You go to work with your parents. Yeah. Um, my mum was a doctor's receptionist. That was quite fun because I pretend I was a doctor. But it wasn't the same as going to work with dad. And so from a very young age, I went to work with him. And I watched Blue Peter going out. There were viewing galleries. And um, I was standing up at the viewing gallery, looking with my hands against the glass and my face pressed against the glass watching this all going on and for me because I loved watching television I could watch television all day although when I was little it wasn't on all day but I could watch it as much as possible I then saw it being made when I was two or three and then I went down onto the floor of Blue Peter when I was a little older so I was about three Mm. and my father, who trained at RADA to be a broadcaster, um, uh, he had been at RADA with a woman called Valerie Singleton, who presented Blue Peter. Mm. So Dad had taken me in there and I used to just watch from the viewing gallery. And then one time Dad said, would you like to go down and meet Val? And I, <gasps> and I did. I went onto the studio floor and I saw the cameras. I saw everybody running around. I saw how they did the make and do's on Blue Peter. And I absolutely from that moment knew there was nothing else I wanted to do on this planet because I just thought, oh, I love watching television. I want to make television. I never, ever thought about fame or any of that. It did not cross my mind at all. It was purely about making television because it made me happy to watch telly and I had this obsession about making everybody happy. So that hasn't changed. And so I then... I then went home and um, I uh, used to sit next to the television set and Dad would be the cameraman uh, on the sofa and I'd be the fourth presenter of Blue Peter. Um, I'd be very worried because I'm allergic to cats, but it was okay because I was in... I wasn't actually in the studio with the cat, so it wasn't going to make me sneeze. And then um, I learned about auto cues. I just, everything I could find out. I had every book you could have about television and films. And then my mum used to write... um, stories on a loo roll and I and then she'd pull it down and I'd le- and I'd do on that. <laughs> so there was nothing else I wanted to do and it, even when I was very little at school you know when they say what do you want to do I said oh tv presenter and then Saturday morning telly started and I watched the very first one and I um phoned in I think it was week two or week three because they had phone in yeah. And I was very little, but I phoned in the number. It was Noel Edmonds. I'm not, I don't know how old I was, probably eight or nine. And I phoned in and I thought, oh, I'm going to be on telly. Um, uh, just to get to, to be on telly. And then I watched that and knew it was no longer Blue Peter. It was Saturday morning telly. So I just wanted to, I wanted to chat to everybody because I did. Everywhere mm. I went, I was very shy, but I talked to anybody and um, at school, I was always told off for laughing and talking. And I used to say, well, I'm practising. I'm practising to be a TV <laughs> presenter. And and it wasn't a sort of... There was no... I was desperately shy, so I couldn't speak. But I could talk to strangers. So, um, and that's just it. And that's me, in a nutshell. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. So when I did Saturday morning telly, there was nothing quite as bizarre as doing your ultimate dream. I bet. And it's like, you talked about Blue Peter then and Saturday morning telly, and the two couldn't be more different, really, even though they catered to a certain... It was live. It was immediate. And I got the live thing, even when I was little. But I'm talking about 
how anarchic Saturday oh. morning telly was certainly well, not when I was little, when I was growing up. It was yeah, like something no, no, no. else. It was like speaking to this certain demographic that I never really connected with Blue Peter. I found it slightly too straight laced, certainly for my tastes. And but I then, think that's probably why I liked when Saturday morning came in. It was it was pop stars and it was TV stars and it was naughty. It and I mm. I was never. I'm very straight, but I was always cheeky. So if I was a very straight girl, I was always very cheeky. So I knew how to make someone laugh or go... I, I sort of knew what a double entendre was before I should have known. So it was that was my sense of humour. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so Saturday morning telly, it was still quite straight, mm. but then it got more anarchic and then Tiz Wars happened... And then and when the I did Motormouth, we were... It was great. I loved Saturday morning telly. I miss it. I think it should be on for kids today. Is it not on anymore? No, Sorry, it's just I... cooking. It's cooking. Oh, it's just cooking, of course it Does is. Does your baby boy watch uh, telly? Well, here's the thing. You, you say, don't have a telly still, do you? No, no, no. Ah, no, well, I'm going to go on to that. You okay. say baby boy, he is nine and a half now. Yes, he's still your uh, baby boy. I know, he always will be. Um, yeah, we're one of those. Your parent, he always will be, obviously. Yeah. Um, but he, we, he's only had uh, a television physically there in the living room um, for two years because we just didn't have a television I know you for didn't. a long, long time. Does uh, my head in? Not to say that I didn't. I watch or adore and love television, of course I do, but I just feel that, you know, there was a time where I thought, I'm just not going to get anything done. I'm just going to, because I adore it so much, I'm just going to watch and watch and watch and watch. That's me, but um, it actually didn't do you any harm. Look at, I'm not, I know I'm not going to interview you, but no. you are an outstanding actor. And the idea that you haven't watched loads of telly, you're just a natural actor, that, that makes me even more in awe of you. I do. I do now. I love. I. I. Um, I watch the Queen's Gambit. Oh, uh, I can't get into it. Please, I'm the only person no. I know. No, yeah. I mean, I. I was. My mum and dad were very bored, and they said, "Oh, we seem to have watched everything." Yeah, of course, I'm sure you have, but <laughs> let's let's see if this, we can find you something else. And I said, "Right, I've just watched, and bear with me. I've just watched this drama about a young." chess protégé and it's gripping and it's well acted and it's shot and it's, it looks beautiful and it's sexy and the costumes are great and it's intriguing. I said, you're what? And they rinsed it all in like two nights. Oh, uh, see, I watched the first 20 minutes and I just was like, no, no. I just, it didn't grab me. I didn't like all the, it, it was trying to be too clever. I don't like things that try to be too clever. I love a really good drama. I love, well, you know, the, the stuff that I love. Um, mm. uh, anything with you in. But I just, I like, I like, I, I needed to get into it. It's like a book. I love reading. But well, if I've... in the first hundred pages it doesn't grab me, I have to put it to one side. Oh, my God, you give it a hundred. I do. I've, I, I, because I was too quick. And I, I said years ago, I said I'd give it 20 pages. And everybody was like, oh, that's disgusting. Give it more. So I go to a hundred now. But you'll still only give twenty minutes of a twenty minutes. If if a show doesn't grab me straight away, okay. because I love TV so much, there's yeah. too much that I want to watch. Exactly, and, and look, each to their own. And if they were super clever, they wouldn't have made seven episodes. They could have crammed this in four. That's, That's all what I'm saying. everybody says. That's what everybody says. Oh, I've says. never heard anybody say that. I haven't really yeah. read anything about it. But yeah, I think the first two episodes are exceptional, 
And that young girl who plays the, uh, she's off the charts. She's brilliant. All um, right, I'll give it another go. No, 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 you don't have to. I'm I not will, sort no, of strong arm in you Because you're the second person today. My friend Simon uh, said exactly the same, and he said they should have done it in four parts. Yeah, and then yeah. Have okay. you, what else have you been watching? Uh, that, here's the thing, right? For me, yeah. at the very start of this year, I and I, I remember speaking to Samantha Morton a while back, we both found it very, very difficult. That's not name-dropping, she was on the podcast. Um, we found it very difficult to focus, to focus on screens, to focus on books. The only thing I could do was cook and listen to podcasts like this with people talking so I could feel that I had people something around else. You. Yeah, 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 people around me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I found that very comforting for, for an hour and then all of a sudden things end, the food's prepped and it's cooked and I have to try and focus on something else. Did, yeah. you, did you find that or... No, you, I love telling you. Okay? I just, I, I love <laughs> it. That, you know, that's going to be my a... headline. That's going to be on my gravestone. She loved telling. Um, uh, not even a global pandemic puts Gabby Roslin off focusing on television. And actually, I think we've, we've devoured it more voraciously. I mean, it's just been one more, more, one more. And I... Um, so what have I watched? Succession, we watched the whole lot at the beginning. Mm. I thought that was outstanding. Standing. I cannot wait for the next one. And it's very rare for um, uh, my husband and I to watch, to like the same things, because we really don't. I love entertainment. I love entertainment. I didn't find and that entertaining likes... at all. I found oh, that, I found I love that it. really, really tough going. So, I mean... I've loved Strictly, you see. Strictly has been a wonderful, glorious escape. And also... Um, a friend of mine was in it this year, and I ju- I ju- I love Strictly. So yes, I absolutely love all of that as well. But but Succession, um, this country, as you know, because you of and course. I, oh my, oh, we watched it from beginning to end, and then mm. backwards, and then we picked out our favourites. I mean, every single night at eleven fifteen, uh, he and I would sit and watch it, and I love it. Um, uh, and I love, I think. Daisy May Cooper, she's coming to her own in lockdown, and she's just, she's incredible, incredible. Yeah. Um, I loved Staged, uh, but my husband found it too stagey, so I really enjoyed that. And I, but I loved it, loved it. I loved uh, Call My Agent, which I watched <gasps> with my oldest daughter. Please tell me, have you finished all three seasons? Of finished Call My them, Agent, and I want more. Well, I had to put something out on social media a few weeks ago saying, when, Netflix, please tell me when is season Isn't four it coming because we but need you know they're it. they're doing it in the UK. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about this. Are you um, going to be it, on this, it? No, this upsets me immensely. Why? Why? It upsets Why? Why? me and I know it upsets, I think it upsets Jake Yap, definitely, and Julia Rayside, definitely, because it is, it is French. Oh, well, no, is... I, oh, sorry, I agree. Oh, no, I completely agree with you. Sorry, I didn't know what... Uh, OK, yes. Uh, yes, I thought you meant you were upset because they haven't called you, but Absolutely they not. No, absolutely that it should stay where it is. Do not... 100%. It, it will not transfer. I mean, obviously, they're going to cast Roger Allen because he, the, he's the French Roger Allen, but don't do it. Look, they smoke, they drink in that Parisian way, they speak, they have passion and yes, venom, and it, it it just won't work. And, and I, for one, would, would not no, watch. No, I agree. God, uh, you're right ups- about Roger Allen. That's <laughs> yeah. really bizarre. Oh, my yeah, God. Absolutely. Of course. Even the hair. I mean, it's just... It's the, 
It's exactly the who it is. Parisian Roger so Allen. I mean, whoever cast that, it's just tech. That's, easy. that's brilliant. Done. I love, love, love that show. Mm. And then, and the Crown. I'm, I, I think it's a beautifully made, beautifully made. I've never seen. Do you know what? E- even if you're not interested in the royal family, everybody I know who was very anti-watching it um, this season, especially, it's just—it's beautiful. It's the filmography is it, it is stunt. No, is that the word? Is that a word? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Do you mean the do you mean the cinematography? That's you mean the, word. the way it looks. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. That's the word. Yes, I'm. I'm not oh. a film. <laughs> Although I do a film show, but that's different. But but I just I I loved it. I I'm very sad that we finished watching it. You know that feeling of oh no, it's over. Yeah, I had this discussion with my friend's wife on Friday when I delivered the some. I delivered them. I cooked for. I cooked. For, I was supposed to have some friends around, basically. And obviously we had to cancel. So I said, well, look, I'm still going to cook, but I'm going to deliver you food oh, to all your houses. You and I had to change the menu because there's only certain things that will travel, obviously. Um, and I went to the last house and I was at a distance delivering food and I was talking, we were talking about television. And my friend's wife said, yeah, no, never seen The Sopranos. And I went, I'm, I feel... I've never seen The Sopranos. Gabby Roslin. I know, I, but actually it's like that. And there's another thing, which I'm going to admit, mm. which drives everybody mad, especially because I do... I'm not plugging the, the, the film show, but we do. Um, Gabby's we'll on, talking pictures. We'll get on to that in but a minute. I've, ne- I've never seen... Oh, I'm actually a bit embarrassed. No. Are you ready? Yeah. I've never seen The Godfather, any of them. That's. I think that's fine. Oh really? I mean, I think <gasps> Most it's people fine. really don't everybody like that. Everybody, everybody, get, look, one and two, fantastic, incredible. I, I wouldn't need to worry about three. I'm probably going to get a load of shit for that now. But look, don't worry. For some things, I would say I'm jealous that you haven't seen it. I would only say that with something like The Sopranos. Okay, all right, we'll start that then. Or, or quite possibly The Wire. Uh, the Wire. I've never seen that either. Oh, my God. And I'll tell you, I've got a really, really... Actually, I've got... Do you want a completely showbiz story about that? Do you know what? I want all the showbiz stories, Gabby, because this is going to cheer people up. Give me some showbiz stories, please. Oh, it's embarrassing. So, um, uh, Paul O'Grady is a very uh, close, dear friend of mine. We've known each other 25 years, and he was doing his um, evening chat show. Mm. And uh, I went on as a guest... Gave me a call, Gab, come on. And I went on, I don't know what I was talking about, and there was this really, really lovely guy, really lovely guy, very tall, very handsome, lovely guy, who um, I was chatting to in the green room and and got on really well and we were chatting away, we were chatting about London, how we both love London, um, and he was talking about shows that I'd done and then I said... I'm I'm so sorry, what do you do? And he said, I'm an actor. I went, oh, that's great, that's great. Now, I, as somebody who watches everything mm-hmm. and loves and has interviewed ridiculous, you know, you name them. Anyway, so I, I was looking, thinking, oh, I'm so embarrassed. And I kept saying to him, I'm so sorry. He said, no, it's, it's all right, it's all right. And then he was talking about Hackney and he loved Hackney. And I just went, oh, great. Anyway, so I went in, went on to the show. Uh, I was the first guest and then... Paul O'Grady said, and the next guest, Idris Elba. 
And he walked out and he looked at me and he pointed at me and he said, she's never seen The Wire. I went, oh, no, I haven't, I haven't. Of course, everyone's mad. Anyway, do you know what? We Every time we see each other, he just goes, Rosalind! And he's lovely, lovely. lovely. Man. I have yeah. such a very innocent crush on him and he should be James Bond. But I, I think mm. he's a lovely guy and... Um, I'm sure, as you do, I'd love to chat to him on the podcast. But Absolutely. it's one of those things, every single time I see him, he's goes, why haven't I been on your radio show? And I feel like saying, well, um, come on. I, what do you mean, why haven't I? I've tried. But he was lovely. So that's my embarrassing uh, The Wire story. But I think you should. I think you should delve into the Baltimore streets of The Wire. I, I, I will we admit... We have it. We have it as a box set that somebody gave yeah. me when I said it. I um, had to watch the first episode two or three times because you have to retune into the accent because it's so, it's so different and so authentic that what they're doing, it's incredible. Now, we know that finding and keeping hold of motivation is tough at the best of times, especially this year, let's be honest, right? But I'm going to tell you one thing. I have got involved this year with some personal training, and it is the best thing I have done, right? It's going to release all those endorphins that, obviously, look, it's great for your body to train. Of course it is. But it's also essential for your mental health. And that's why I got involved with the PT Factory. Now, if you want a chance to have a taster session, one-to-one -one with a male or female trainer of your choosing who know exactly what they're talking about, go to theptfactory.co.uk. You fill in the form on the section, just put in TSPPT. You're going to get a free taster session. You can sit down, talk about your wants, your needs, your goals. They're going to talk you through because they have all the knowledge to help you achieve what it is that you want. So go to the ptfactory.co.uk. What have you got to lose? I want to talk about interviewing and the fact that you have interviewed so many people, but it never feels... And I've been lucky enough to be interviewed by you a few times, but it never feels like you're asking people questions. And because I've been, you know, doing this and interviewing people for three years, I'm just learning and I love to learn off people. And it's like, well, when that's I had... why I love listening to you because you do. I see the most important thing, um, mm. and I think I'm, I, I think, I hope I did. I know I did. I contacted you when you were first starting out. I just went, this is great. What you've done is, it's great what you're doing. And I, I think that. The most important thing, and that my dad taught me because he was an interviewer mm. as well, that you don't have these fixed questions where the, the, the way I always say it to somebody um, is if you say, if you're going to talk to somebody who love, you found out that their one love are giraffes. They just love giraffe. That that's what they love. They love giraffes. So your whole thing, you've got you've worked it out, giraffes and this, that and the other. And then the very first question you said, So I know you love giraffes. They said, Not anymore, I love lions. And then you go, Yeah, so where was the first time you saw a giraffe? Oh. Uh -uh. <laughs> you know, just just listen. Just listen. If you listen to the person you're talking to, mm. you get a conversation, not an interview. I don't like interviews, I like conversations. Yeah, exactly. Very much like 
what you and Dermot O'Leary do are two big sort of favourites of mine. But oh, thank you. When I've been interviewed in the past, certainly I'm talking about live television now, they've got... Did they call it the gallery? Yeah, and the earpiece. So you have a they've little They've got an earpiece, earpiece yeah. and they've got lots of other people talking to them. So they'll ask, right. their, they'll ask their questions. See, you get off on that. But sometimes when I've been interviewed by people, they ask a certain question and then they glaze over and they're not listening to me. They're listening to the other people. So how do you sort Oh, of no, 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 no. Oh, that's bad. And... No, because, um, because I've been doing it so long. So, um, but also I don't, so I don't get fed questions. I wouldn't want, ever want that. Uh, so what I'm hearing is knowing exactly what's going on. So uh, whilst I'm interviewing uh, you, then I'll know that the director's decided to go to camera at four and that the next guest has turned up late and that uh, the... Um, production assistant has just dropped coffee all over the desk so I know what's going on but I but if you ask my husband he'll tell you that I do that when we go out <laughs> so we go out if we go out in those old days when you could go and sit inside in a restaurant mm. you know we'd go out to eat or we'd go out for a drink in the pub and I would be listening into everybody's conversations and I'd listen to him and we'd leave and I say oh my god do you know what they were talking about? You would never be... She just had an affair and she just told him. So I'll tell you everything that's going on. But I've always done that, even as a child. So even on the bus, I remember going on the bus to school and I'd listen in to everybody's conversations. And that's how I'd sort of get accents and and know what's going on around. So do you think Nosy, that's... you see. <laughs> well, we're coming back to that, you see. Is that... Do you think, so do you think it's just practice then? Because a lot... You know, when I'm asked about learning lines for instance especially with big big long chunks of scenes and they say oh, well how do you do it and i just go well you just read and read and read until you know it backwards and you just it's just practice yes, it is probably and also the fact that i've always done it i, mm. I, I don't know it's it i i'm one i'm very lucky that i find that i find it exciting i don't like it if i go into a studio and i don't have that they have, it's called closed talkback or open talkback. Open talkback means you can hear everything that's going on. Closed talkback means you just get stuff that's coming through to you. So um, I, I like it to be open. But I remember there were times when I've done shows where the editor or the producer in my ear knows that they're trying to throw me. And uh, I can think of a particular time. And she's a wonderful, wonderful woman who uh, is brilliant in television. And she kept trying to throw me. And I won't repeat what she was saying in my ears. And afterwards she said, oh, my God, it didn't work. And I said, no, how dare you be so rude? She was, it was very funny. It was very vulgar, but very funny. So you can, you can keep it straight for yeah, live but television. I'm a dreadful giggler. So I'll find say. another reason to giggle. <laughs> ah, OK, so you cover it. I well. cover it. I'll just giggle. I, I just, in fact, about 20 minutes before uh, we were speaking, my my youngest, she got stuck. She got stuck trying to fix a lamp for me. And she was screaming, going, Mom, Mom, I'm stuck. And I became so hysterical, I couldn't get her out, so I pretended I'd left the room. And I was laughing uncontrollably. So I am a dreadful giggler. I will giggle at always at the worst times when you're not supposed to. I really... I, and that's the thing that we talk about on my podcast, where I always ask everybody what makes them laugh. And then we all end up giggling, because it's, you know, if somebody walks into a tree, there's nothing funnier. And if somebody's trying to be very rude in my ear when I'm trying to be very serious, I, I 
have to laugh about something else. I told you I have a good imagination, so I'll suddenly say, oh, you won't believe what I was thinking of. I mean, that is a skill in itself. I suppose it's a little bit like somebody trying to put you off uh, on stage lines, yes. in front of uh, a live audience. Which I've done that too. I've yeah. done that too. I'm very naughty. I When we did Harry Met Sally on the last matinee, um, I was being very naughty. I just, I, 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 it's like me when I ever played, I wasn't very good at sports, but, uh, and I love working out, but I was never good at sports. But if I ever played tennis, I would play tennis to do everything wrong to make somebody laugh. I'm, I'm, I'm not, that's how I'm, I'm very, uh, naughty. But surely things like that keep you alive. And I don't mean alive, alive. I mean alive. Yeah. Yeah. Act the fool, make someone laugh. There's nothing better than somebody just thinking you're completely nuts. (laughs) But to always punch down, to never punch up, which one? Because I was talking about about comedy the other day with Nigel Planer and... Oh, my word, how's Nigel Planer? Incredible. Um, And well, and... Good being cooked for by his wife during this lockdown. And we were talking about when comedy tips over into cruelty. Oh, and no, that's, no, no, that's I hate that. when I, I, I hate it and I find it so, no, so like uncomfortable it and unfair. And I was, we were going back through bits, we, we went down a bit, a comedy geek sort of rabbit hole, which obviously I adored. And I was talking about when I used to watch Lauren Hardy uh, as a child and it resonates still now when I've watched it with with my boy, is because they, you know, it's, it's innocent, funny. but also innocent, they, yes. they don't, they're not playing comedy. They, they, they're trying to be truthful and they're trying to do, they're trying to um, get this big plane of glass into the house or they're trying to put the ladder up or they're yeah, really trying yeah. their best to do it. And that's just, it's just the root of all comedy. No, I, I, I really hate, but I hate anything cruel. I really do hate anything cruel. Mm. I hate nastiness. Um, uh, I don't like cruel humour because I don't find it funny. So I like I, I like slapstick, but not slapstick as in a pie in the face. But like I said, um, you know, I, Lauren Hardy. When you say that, just the biggest smile on my face because we were all brought up with it. Mm. Um, but but Eric and Ernie, you know, and actually Anton Deck do a brilliant job. They they're they're lovely, and I. I don't. I like Carry On humour. Although when I watch it back now, uh, God, it's sexist and shocking and racist. But there are elements of that innocence. There is a tremendous innocence. I like it. Innocent humour. I hate. I hate nasty humour. I hate anything that that. Um, I remember seeing a certain comedian we went to see live at the Apollo. It doesn't matter who the person was. You'll probably no. guess by what I say. But he was being really nasty about disabled people and he made um uh, a joke about um nazis and uh as a jewish person i found it utterly offensive Mm. nobody laughed and he got off on that and i just find that disgusting so that sort of humor no thank you and also it's cheap it's horrible and why why be nasty about somebody? I, I mean, look at Michael McIntyre. I know for years people were saying, oh, he's really dull, he's really dull. Well, he's not actually, he's funny and he says things that we all think and I've seen him do his show at a charity event that I was hosting and he came on 
And he did his routine about turning off a light switch in a hotel, which was so innocent, but so funny. And you saw people groaned when he came out. And when he left, everyone stood up. But it's a form but, of art. It's subjective. Oh, so lovely. I remember um, years ago, I was working with a brilliant stand-up comedian. And he said, oh, I'm doing this Irish night of Irish comedians in the West End. He said, come along. So I went along. And he wasn't top of the bill. And I thought, oh, God, that's kind of odd that he's not top of the bill. Ardlo Hanlon was top of the bill. And it was a time when Ardlo Hanlon had they'd kind of forgotten about how incredible he was, certainly for a brief moment, in, in Father Ted. And you still go back to that and you think, oh, oh my that's God, brilliant. that's brilliant. Genius! But he was more well-known for doing My Hero, which for those who either aren't in the UK or can't remember, My Hero was a very... Low bar, not to do it disservice, but it was what it was. It was 8pm, um, can not even can laughter audience sitcom. It was... Very, very... Um, very uh, formulaic. Yeah. It was by yeah. the numbers book about yeah. a mild-mannered um, superhero from another planet who had a guise as just a normal, normal working bloke. And it was... That's what he was well known for. And he was top of the bill. So automatically I went, oh, God, and you know what? He came on stage, and I could feel that with a lot of people. It was one of the best stand-ups I've ever seen. Oh, you see? He was just incredible. And I felt awful, because you go immediately, I'm I'm judging yeah, on, what, on yeah. what I may or may not have seen on the television. It was incredible. Where are you with... See, we're going to go down a big comedy cul-de-sac Yeah, now. go for it. Where are you to... with um, the comedy of embarrassment? Because I know some of my friends just, they, they can't watch it because they themselves feel too uncomfortable in watching it. it, well, it dep- I don't like anybody taking the piss out of anybody else. But, but I, I don't mind. I like political humour if it's clever. You know, all of those things. And I think we have to laugh at, a, mm. at most things. Well, um, yeah. But I don't, I, I don't like... It depends what you mean by embarrassing. Well, let's... How far? (laughs) How far? Okay, well... So some people I know haven't watched The Office because they just find it too uncomfortable. Oh, no, that... See, oh... oh, That makes me... I I, I find it really uncomfortable, The Mm. Office. I, um... Afterlife... uh, I went straight down Ricky Gervais' world. Um, Afterlife Series 1 was superb. Uh, But I just... I found the office just it made me embarrassed. It that you're right. It's that I can appreciate it, but I didn't laugh at it. Well, it's a bit so, like yeah. uh, you, you know, appreciating. You can appreciate someone like Michael McIntyre or any other forms of comedy, but if it's not for you, it's not for you. That's not to say it's not funny. It's just Well, there are not some I you. think who aren't funny. There's a I thought you were going to mention him, but there's a particular guy, that guy I was talking about before. I know who, who I, I know who you not mean. Funny. Yeah. It's just not funny. And anyone that finds that funny, I do I I I I, I sort of I question that. Yeah, but, but you say but that, you say Fools it, and Horses was embarrassing. Fools and horses they would do things and it would make you cringe, but yet it was you could you could laugh. There were moments you could laugh at. I mean, I'm trying to think of new... I, I, but this country that we were talking about, and I will always go back to that because mm-hmm. I think it's one of the greatest comedies yeah. ever. That was in... There were moments where you just would be cringing, but it's so thoughtful in its embarrassment 
that actually I think it that's why it works. But I think things like that, certain thing, you know, you touch on only fools and horses and you touch on something like this country, in very different ways, they both had a lot of heart. Oh, gosh, yes. So much heart, so therefore you could invest as an audience member. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine can't watch this country because he said it's exactly like where he brought, was brought up. And well, he said probably... it just... He, he yeah. d- can't, can't watch it. He said it's well, like going back all those yeah, well, years. Well, I, I lived for many years not, not far from where they filmed this country and it, yeah, pretty much is like that, <laughs> I would say. Um, we, went, we were talking about anarchic Saturday morning television a while ago. And I was thinking about breakfast television and it was a little bit like you and the big breakfast team when it first started got the manual of how to broadcast breakfast television, poured a load of lighter fuel fuel on it and just threw some lit matches at it because we, I don't think anybody had seen anything like... Well, I, I hadn't. <laughs> I, it was very funny because I did. I went from Saturday morning telly, and after doing three years of that, I remember the press all you know doing all those interviews, and they say, "Oh, you know, what's your dream job next?" And I'd say, "I want to do this, but every day of the week." And th- I mean, I, I could probably find those articles. I remember doing it in the you know tabloid uh, newspapers, and it was, "What do you mean every day?" I was, "Can you imagine this every day of the week? That would be amazing." And they'd say. Yeah, but it's that's not going to happen. Well, you never know. And then I got the call about the big breakfast, and um, and I did five screen tests. It's sort of it, it's one of those stories that I told a lot. And I did five screen tests, but the very first time I turned up, I didn't know anything about it. And um, my mum had seen an uh, a bit in the newspaper that had said that Bob Geldof was going to be doing a new um, breakfast show. And it was going to uh, be different than anybody had expected. And I remember my mum saying, well, that's the sort of thing you keep saying you want to do. Went, oh, yeah, Bob Geldof? Bob <laughs> Geldof? What do you mean? And sort of it, that was vaguely in the back of my head. And then I got a call from my agent to say, they want you for a screen test for this new show. You're going to be screen testing with a guy called Chris Evans. And I said, oh, he used to do early Saturday morning telly before we were on air with Motormouth. He was on... Uh, whatever it was then, TVAM or something. He did. He did a very early morning kids show. Right. And uh, we used to watch him in the makeup chair. And I remember thinking, God, he's clever. And we all used to talk about how clever he was. I remember him doing some sketch in a phone box. And I turned up for the first screen test, and the two of us just—it was extraordinary. We just got on, and um, they said, "Oh, well, you know, just say exactly what's going on." And everybody's going to be in shot. And I just thought, this is amazing. And I left there buzzing. And then I waited and I waited. And then they called me back for another one with Chris. And then they called me back again. And then I went away for a week to France with my then boyfriend. And uh, I had to phone them every day to find out whether or not they'd made a decision. And every day I made that phone call... And uh, they said, we haven't made a decision yet. Then I came back and I did the uh, fourth screen test. And then I went for the fifth one. And by now I was was beaten into a pulp of 
oh my god <laughs> and i went for the fifth one and um chris was there i think there were a couple that chris wasn't there they just wanted to see me interacting with uh kids um doing competitions doing all sorts of things mm. and just ad-libbing because i've never had a script so luckily saturday morning telly there was no scripts and this didn't have scripts big breakfast didn't have scripts so they just wanted to see if i could talk yeah i can talk Tech. um and um, and then the very last one, I turned up and uh, very kindly and very uh, extraordinarily, Chris, we, they started, they went three, two, one, and then Chris just went, stop! And I thought, oh, my God. And he said, please, somebody just give this girl the job. It's, this should be her job. She should be doing this. And, I, and then I got, then I left thinking, oh, dear, um, that was embarrassing. And then I got a phone call to say, could I go to the office? And so I went to the office of the production company and I had to walk through an open plan office into a glass office and there was the two guys who um, uh, from Planet 24 and the editor. So there was Charlie Parsons, Wahid Ali and Sebastian Scott and they said, OK, have your back to everybody. Um, we're here to tell you, you that we're offering you the job, but you cannot tell anybody. You cannot tell a soul and you have to walk out of this office as if yeah, you haven't been told the answer yet. It's the biggest kept secret anywhere. We're going to be telling uh, our publicists you'll do one interview and then you'll be on air. And I had to walk out of that office completely straight-faced. <sighs> I thought I was going to wee myself. I really properly did. I thought I was going to cry. I had this weird oh mixed God. emotions. And then I got into the car and my boyfriend was in the car because he'd driven me there. And I said, you have to just drive. And we drove and he pulled over and I screamed and screamed and cried and shouted and I couldn't believe it. And then we drove around to my parents and I told them. And then a week later I was doing this one bit of press and then two weeks later I was doing the show. It was extraordinary. And that show when I think about it, set a template for so many other shows going forward yeah. throughout the years. The, the fact that it involved the crew, you could hear the crew laughing. I mean, we spoke yeah. about Ant and Deck before. I mean, they really involved the crew. Well, the, the most... first TV they did as presenters was on The Big Breakfast. Was so it? they came on and they presented with Zig and Zag in the bathroom and um, on holiday relief for Chris. And I remember saying to them, You've got to be TV presenters. And uh, I thought they were brilliant. Uh, it was a great breeding ground for a lot of people. And a lot of people who behind the scenes of The Big Breakfast are now controllers of channels. Mm. I mean, it's everywhere you go, there's somebody from Planet 24. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, Richard, Richard Bacon was there, wasn't he? Richard was there. That was after me. Yeah. Um, uh, Melanie Sykes, she was there in the summer holidays. You Amanda know. Byram... The she great Paula Yates. Paula, bless, I mean, bless Paula. She was there. Well, Chris, Paula and I were the originals. Yeah, who interviews anybody from a bed anymore? It just can't be done because she just broke the mould with that. I mean, it was it was just incredible. Well, then Lily Savage took over and that's where Paula and I became great friends. So ah. Lily Savage took over. But was, was Lily interviewing from a bed? Yeah. Was she? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's fantastic. That's brilliant. Yeah. Now... You always make things seem very easy to me when I listen to you, when I watch you be interviewed. You must have come up 
with any with some sort of battles during being interviewed or interviewing somebody else? What do you do if you get sort of stonewalled? If people are, I mean, we—it's only happened. It's actually happened um, twice in my career. Once was uh, I was doing a Saturday night show for Channel Four, and an American actress turned up, and she was fine until she went into the loo, and um, uh, all I could hear in my t- uh, in my earpiece was she won't come out of the bathroom. And uh, I, we were live, it was a live show. Oh and so God. we went to an ad break and I was going, oh my God, what's happening? And they went, she won't come out of the bathroom. Anyway, she came out of the bathroom <clears throat> and then I looked. Uh, I, so I did the introduction and I looked at her and her eyes were spinning and she was gurning. Oh God. And to this day, I would never say why she wouldn't come out of the bathroom or what she'd been doing. But it was the most extraordinary way to interview. She was sort of, oh, yeah, I don't know, idea. And um, uh, and we went to an ad break very quickly. Oh but she was very sweet. God. And, well, at, to, but, at, and at another least... time was somebody just said, no, 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 uh, no. That's the opposite. That's it. In, that's the in opposite 33 ends. years. You've got yeah. one person who won't shut up because they've been in the toilets too long and one that's just giving... One word, nothing, yeah. and it's yeah, it's just impenetrable. You can't. How can you? Well, it's not, but like I said, you know, in in the thirty three years I've been doing it, that I still can just name two people, and there have probably been some who haven't been very um, forthcoming or or friendly, but but I I like speaking to people who haven't got something that they're wanting to plug. But if they have got something they want to plug, I always talk about something else as well, and then they always think that. They haven't necessarily plugged it, so I don't go into tell me that how you made this film. I'll mm. I'll ask them about jumping out of an aeroplane, and then we'll go onto the film. So, um, uh, yes, only only twice it's been a bit tricky. And also, if you go in with those questions about what they're trying to flog, they're going to give you the stock answer that they've the, just yeah. given to seven other interviews, yeah. which is you know. Yeah. That's just dull for you as an interviewer and anybody listening. But sometimes or you do get, which you'll know now. But sometimes you get told um, uh, that you can only answer, you can only ask questions about that. But I always twist it around. I remember there was one uh, great, lovely, lovely uh, movie star. Um, recently, it was Ryan Gosling, and he was so lovely. We went in and they said, "Right, just you're asking about the movie." I mean, yeah. And I went in, I said, so, and the first thing I said was, they've told me I can only ask you about the movie. And he said, no, that's not true. So if you go in with that, then, then we chatted about all sorts of things. That's a top, top tip there, Gabby. I'm, yes. I'm taking that on board. Because I, I was reading an interview a few weeks ago in the New York Times with Nicole Kidman, and it was a really lovely interview. Ooh, and yes, your friend, Nicole. She, she, we don't talk about that. She seemed to be on great form, but... The interviewer, in some of his retorts, he would say, oh, when I asked you that question there, that seemed to upset you or did did I touch a nerve there? And she would go, "Um, no, it's absolutely fine. Ask what you want. It was almost like he was being provocative. Yeah, I can't bear that. In the, the piece. And I just thought, why would you do that? Because that, it ceases to become about... The subject and it's falling yeah, back you on just, you. I, I can't bear that. I don't no. like that. I mean, we, we've we've been 
naughty to you in the past, uh, Vicky, and uh, when I was interviewing you and I wanted to stitch you up, mm. but that was, I, was sti- I stitched you up with Vicky and then you helped me stitch up Danny Mays mm. on live telly. So I, those sort of things I don't mind doing when you know somebody and if it's fun. But I don't like trying to get, I don't like trying to get my upset anybody. I also don't want somebody, if they want to be um, uh, honest and uh, about some things that I've been told not to ask them about, that's their prerogative. Exactly. Not, that's not about me. The interviewer yeah. is the least important. The, the, my guest is the most important. Yeah, which is it's just normal and natural, surely. Yeah. I, I've just found yeah. it very odd. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't have any evidence for this at all, but there's always been something inside of me that I would want you on my pub quiz team. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I've got zero evidence. We've never been to a pub quiz, nor are we likely oh to go God. to a pub quiz any time in the future. I love them. My husband hates them. I love them. I even I used to have those apps on my phone. You know, you could play pub quizzes yes. on your phone. And my friend Simon London, who reviews podcasts on my uh, radio show, and uh, he has reviewed yours, and he will do so again. I will remind him. But he um, and he loves you. But he's a TV producer and a, a writer and all sorts. And he runs a charity pub quiz, and. And together we host one uh, once a year for Amanda Redman. And I I have to sit there and have my hat, you know, cl- put my hand in my mouth so I don't answer the questions because <laughs> I'm involved with it. I think they're great fun. Well, when we get back to going out and going to pub quizzes, should we go to a yes! pub quiz together? Yes! Yes! Gabby Roslin, thank you so, so much for coming oh, on. Oh, you're it's, just a Do you know what? I've had a very busy day. And it's been a bit up and down and you've really cheered me up no end. Oh, bless you. What have you cooked today? Um, I'm, I haven't cooked anything. I, had a big, I was cooking from Wednesday of last week up until sort of Friday night when I was delivering food. So um, I haven't really thought about that. I bought some soup for my lunch today. That's how dull my day was. <laughs> That's not like you. <laughs> I know, it's really not. Uh, I'm going to finish um, our conversation and uh, move on to uh, what I'm going to devour tonight. What's that? I don't know. Yeah, I haven't made my mind up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so lovely. You really are one of my favourite people on the planet. I think you're such a good egg. You really are. Well, I really appreciate you spending some time with me because I know that you're super busy. Oh, oh, before you go, before you go, we've got to tell people about your podcast quickly because I know we don't sort of plug things on here, but you started your podcast was it during lockdown or was it after lockdown? Yeah, no, well, it was after. It was meant to be just before, but then that lockdown happened and we delayed it. And mm. then when it was sort of over, we just thought, why are we delaying it? We can do it. Because we were going to do it face to face. But um, yeah, that Gabby Rosson podcast, and the reason we called it that is because people always say, oh, have you heard that Craig Parkinson podcast? So we just <laughs> thought we'll do that, make it easier. And um, and you will, please, will you come on? Will you return the favour, please? Will you come on? Um, I will. Uh, uh, yes, of course. I, I will be. Honest. You have to say yes now. <laughs> Yay! Um, I will do a, a plug in the outro for your podcast, even though, because I know, you, uh, you know, I really want people to listen because it's lovely. And we all need some Gabby Roslin in our life. And we have done this week. Gabby Roslin, thank you for coming on the Two Shot podcast. I love you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, darling.
episode is done. Or did I tell you? Yeah, you're smiling now, eh? That's just how she is. It's not forced, it's just how she is. And it's not nauseating. It's lovely. You know, sometimes you just meet people and go, you just, why are you too happy? Stop being so happy. She is. And um, I'm made up. She came on. I really hope you enjoyed it. Um, well, we're recording more. We're going to try and get... Uh, a few out to take us over the Christmas and New Year break. And of course, we'll be back in January. And stand by your beds and your Instagram and Facebook and Twitter feeds. Um, as is the way at Christmas, myself and Griff normally, normally, normally get together and we record a little Christmas video message for you. We're going to try and do that this year, obviously, apart but we're just working on the best way to do it. So, um, of course, you'll be um, seeing our silly faces and uh, we'll be thanking you for sticking with us as ever. So, until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Take care, won't you? I'll see you next week. Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Looking for a new podcast to listen to? Here's what we love, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. Hey, I'm Bert from The Bert Show. You have people on a show that really don't like morning shows. Stealing an entire school bus, I gotta be honest, that is my dream still. Why take initiative when you can take a nap? I like keeping it real and I like keeping it gross. <laughs> so we created a show that we really wanted to hear. It's real and it's funny and we will talk about our personalized. We're not scared of anything. Okay, if you want this prize right here, you're gonna have to work for it. What I love most about this show is everybody's vulnerability. And though our perspectives may be different, we're together is actually fun. We put the fun in dysfunction. I think it's unlike anything that you've heard before. The Bird Show. New episodes every weekday and the weekly top 10 on Saturdays. Listen to this show on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast. 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 Acast.